Welcome to the Sunbeam Chats podcast, a conversation about business, entrepreneurship, women, wellness, and more. I'm your host, Arden Holman. Let's get started. another episode of Sunbeam Chats. Today's guest is Nigel Talisford, the media boss, the publicist to the stars. And today we're talking about building a brand for creatives in the music space and the music industry and, you know, generally in the entertainment space. Nigel Talisford is the managing director of Overtime Media. He's a writer and producer and has become the media maverick and publicist to some of the most celebrated superstars in the Caribbean. Welcome, Nigel. Thank you for having me. Blessings. Yes, it's it's wonderful to finally kneel you down to have this conversation. So let's get straight to it. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself, Nigel, and how did you start your career as a writer and also into the entertainment space? Okay, thanks for having me and um, pleasant day or night to your listeners. Um, I think it all began as a young boy with my passion for reading. I was a voracious reader at an early age and I pretty much consumed everything in sight from Enid Blyton to Hardy Boys to my aunt's romance novels to my grandfather's um, health books and books on mind control and plants. So from reading so much, I developed this superb kind of imagination. And when I became a teenager, I had no choice but to express it in some way or form. Like I remember being compelled to write poems just because I had words and ideas floating around in my brain that I had to get out. So there were points in time when I would be traveling home from school or from some activity and I had to stop wherever I was and just pull out a book and write something down because it was just... It just popped in my head and it wouldn't go away unless I got it out. So I think that's where the writing began as well as I didn't grow up with my mom. But we used to converse a lot writing letters to each other. So I think between the, the letter writing and the reading and then just having that passion and that compunction, compulsion even to write and to get ideas out of my head onto a piece of paper. That's where the writing started. And then um, fresh out of school, actually I was still in school, I was still doing A-levels when a friend of mine, Kiffy Graves... She was also on the podcast as well, actually. Oh, she was on your podcast as well. Yes, with her book, the book that she wrote. Yes, she wrote a book too. Yes, correct. Yes. So Kiffy Graves is actually the one I would credit because she read my poems and um, invited me to check out this thing called the Vox magazine that she said was a, a weekly magazine that accepted submissions from the general public and they may have published some of my stuff so she, I believe it was around Christmas time that could be 1997 I believe and she, she said you know Nigel why don't you submit something to this magazine you know you have all these great poems and stuff. Why don't you write something for them? 
and I was like, okay, I mean, why not? Like, let me try something. But it was Christmas time, so I decided, you know what? Let me write a story about this whole mythical Christmas thing and this Santa Claus thing that people keep pushing on us. When the reality is, all we get is socks and drawers. <laughs> yes, <laughs> true. <laughs> I wrote a, a well, for men, anyway. Yeah, I wrote a story somewhat in that vein, and they loved it. They published it. They called me in for a meeting. And the rest is history, pretty much. Mm, yes, and and when I say Nigel is a fantastic writer, it's like really, and you know, it's it's here. And you talk about growing up as a, a man, a child, a boy, as it were, reading that much. It's so very impressive, and and you can see where that reading um, skill and um, desire has, you know, has served you well in your career today. Yeah. And and I could I can relate to that because. Um, in the same way, I've, I grew up and I was an avid reader. So the Mills and Boone, yes, but even all types of books, magazines, etc. And I absolutely love writing myself. So um, just a plug there for, you know, get, you know, the things as children and young people, whatever you have, that interest can really serve you well in the future as far as your career. And it can take you places, yes? Definitely, and I'm seeing it now with my son. My son is seven years old, and he's reading everything in sight. Um, he he loves this this diary of a, a a mad kid or something like that, a series. Yes. But he's finishing them so fast that he has to just pick up whatever else is around. Like he's he, he loves reading. And how old is um, he? Seven years old. Okay, excellent. So you know that seed and that has gone fast onto your child. Very good, excellent. Correct. I have. I actually have photos of him before he was one year old, and I was reading to him, and he was fascinated, like fixated on the book, like looking like he was reading as well. And then I have a video with him holding a book as if he could read, as if he was reading, but he's not even one yet. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, just to just to further plug this soul reading thing, and it's especially important now with technology, especially where children are concerned. And you know, I mean, I um my my nieces and nephews for Christmas or whenever I would buy them a toy and buy them a book because reading is so very important. And with technology, people, young people are not reading as much. And that's really not a good thing. Yeah. It's tragic. Yeah. It's really yeah. tragic. Yeah. So it informs the mind so much. I mean, aside from you know the vocabulary and then learning and understanding words spelling. and spelling, spelling, and then it you know it enhances your imagination and it puts you in different places that you may not be able to go to physically. Different yes. mindsets, different points of view is really a such an informative, educational, fulfilling exercise. Yes, one hundred percent. So from reading and writing to, um, you, you know, you actually, because of that, you, you fell into, perhaps you can tell us how did that sort of, uh, uh, you know, transition into you becoming the publicist and then obviously the publicist to the stars. How did that happen? Right. So from Vox, um, I graduated (laughs) literally into the Express newspaper, um, newsroom and, um, I became, I decided pointedly to specialize in entertainment. At an early stage, I realized that I was not cut out for crime or even politics. I didn't like 
bad news in general i like writing positive stories i like writing uplifting things whether it's entertainment whether it's an artist profile or some some uh travel experience or something like that i like writing positive things so i decided i was not going to go into that crime zone or that politics zone because um as part of our probation for um, training to write for the express full-time we had to do three months on the news desk which meant everything i just described crime politics accidents all sorts of unfortunate things that happen any day that newspapers tend to focus on a lot and the feeling that i got during that three months probation i didn't want to experience again i didn't want to be a part of that and later on even when i worked at um at gaia tv and they stuck me in the newsroom and sent me to parliament and on all the crime scenes i couldn't deal with it i, I left Gaia because i was doing too much crime too much politics and not enough entertainment so i decided to specialize in entertainment and um along the process of learning of becoming a reporter because being a writer and being a reporter two different things you can be a great writer that doesn't make you a great reporter you know and then within the process of learning how to become a reporter and applying my writing skills then to the material i became quite popular i became quite proficient and pretty much most of the stars wanted their stories and their interviews done by me so i began to be requested yeah. as the unknown and, and popularized as the you know number one or the top entertainment reporter journalist writer at the time so that pretty much um translated into a demand for my services and of course you know as as i was also becoming a an adult and i had bills to pay and i had you know mm-hmm. um, i had to secure my income streams so that became uh, your side hustle right yeah i started um <laughs> i started well actually you know what happened to be quite honest when i started in media i also started in music so that that right. passion for writing as much as i i transformed it into writing stories for the newspaper at the same time there was the other creative more creative side that i transferred into music and writing rhymes and becoming a hip-hop artist as part of the group spot rushers so within becoming uh artists as well and writing, and writing music I, and at the same time learning how to be a reporter i pretty much blended the two and became the unofficial publicist for my group so that was my first client actually who has never actually paid me well of course (laughs) my own group was my own first client where i pretty much tested out all my different ideas how to how to to start stories and how to get headlines that would be eye-catching and eye-popping and and pull readers in how to express what we wanted to do because we were doing hip-hop music from Trinidad and Tobago which of course is a Caribbean island known more for soca and calypso and these other genres so it wasn't an easy process getting stuff in the newspaper or getting stuff to the news agencies or the news reporters it had to be formatted in a way that would be attractive to them so that's pretty much where publicist skills early because every day i would wake up and say okay what can i do for my group today what can i do for spot rushers today how can i get us somewhere we've never been how can i get our music somewhere it's never been how can i get our story out somewhere 
that it hasn't been told yet. Okay. So after <clears throat> that stint, as it were, or doing that, you would have at some point in time started your own company, um, Overtime yes. Media. And uh, tell us what your company, um, what are the services your company offer, and why do you focus on uh, Caribbean talent in particular? Okay, so let me just connect the dots there because after Spot Rushers, I think my next unofficial client was Bungie Garvin. Right, so that was your first client. Uh, no, he was an unofficial client because okay. I just did it for him. I didn't charge him or I didn't solicit, you know, his um, employment or engagement. I just, because of his style, which was so groundbreaking, bringing the Raga Soka style into the Soka at the time. And me being a reporter as well as a hip-hop artist, I could more than relate to his style. Yes. And it was and it was definitely um groundbreaking kind of society evolving kind of um industry shaping and explained why we should write about Bunny Dallas because the, the elder um executives in the newspaper were not too thrilled with this new style of super. They didn't understand it. They didn't know if it was um if it would be accepted or if it should be accepted, you know. You know the the older generation. Soka, yes, yeah. yeah. Soka was and the and Calypso was the music of the right. day. Right, and then remember the the, um, the proponents at the time at the top were like David Rudder and uh, mm-hmm. Ajala and all of these guys who had a different style. So Bungie Garden coming with this raga raga da 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 something like that. So I think you know some of those elders were like, "What is this? Like we don't want this." Like Interesting. You know, they were resistant to the evolution of the music, so we had to explain and break down the lyrics to Keith Smith and others. To, to let them understand that hey it's social commentary you do it you know we from the ghetto you know just singing a song like bigging up the ghetto and it's a gang thing and you know it's, it's, it's uh, a negative thing he's saying that he's commenting on the fact that yeah we from the ghetto but we can rise above and we can do these other things and we can achieve so we have to really translate uh bungee's messages to some of the elders at the time and within doing that of course also, there's the human family connection, and that his first manager, Ian Panton, is my second cousin. So I was also supporting my family, you know, business enterprise, who supported me as well in the earlys uh, by pushing Bungie Garland up to the forefront and doing his, his stories and pushing information okay. about him to other reporters. Oh, so Bungie his publicist, yes, but official one. Mm-hmm. Then came Marshall Montano, who took notice of you know what I was doing and the stories and the writing and the responses to it and the way that they would captivate the readers and translate into all these different um, experiences and opportunities for the artists. Right. And of course, Marshall being a pioneer and being you know being a very observant of his industry, he took notice of me and started giving me exclusives. So mm-hmm. that I would get, I would be the one to get the Marshall interview for the season. Nobody else might get it, or they might get it until after my own was published. So with that level of exclusivity, of course, came over time a conversation about, hey, why don't you come on board, or come on the payroll, or come, you know, come do some work for me. And I believe it was his return here, uh, no, that was two thousand and I want to say nine, eight mm-hmm. or nine. 
when he had stayed away for two years and he was coming back, he called he called me and he was like, hey, I need you to usher me back into the zone now. <laughs> like, yes. man, we don't want to talk too much about what happened or what didn't happen. We want to keep you focused on what I'm doing next, which was when he started this whole, you know, the whole train with the dancers and the, you know, the um, it's interesting though, Nigel. I have to say that's that's I don't you if you remember, but mm-hmm. I met you years ago when you were working for him because at the time the company right, right that I was working with in the marketing space, we were right. we were endorsing uh the artists and we, yeah, it was a Sunday yeah. when you were shooting um down Port of Spain on the Brian Lara Promenade and that's where we actually I saw you there and that's where we first right. actually connected. So there so there's go. a bit of history there with Nigel and myself. <laughs> right. And then, you know, working with such top tier artists, of course, opens more doors and, and enables more opportunities and, and even more networking possibilities and meeting people like you, you know, on the marketing side and yes. sponsorship and endorsements and stuff. So we work with Marshall for that year um, of his return, of course. And clearly he returned <laughs> in a yes, big he way. Did. And, and and returned to his prominence. And I remember at the end of the year, because he took us on tours where we did um we reported on the show at Madison Square Garden when he sold out. We did some stuff in Miami. And I remember coming down to October when the year was almost over. He pulled us aside just before um the, the show he was about to perform at. Or maybe it was after. Yeah, maybe yeah. after he performed, he pulled us aside and said, you know. Okay, so you all have done a great job. I really love what you're doing. I love your creativity, your passion and such. But I need you to do it for the rest of the industry now. Like, it can't be me alone. Like, yeah, you need to yes. spread your wings and share it and, and get everybody up to this level where I am at. And they see me there and they, they want to follow and they want to get there, but they will need your help. So I was like, okay, I took up the challenge. I said, okay, how can I do that? And how can I do that in a way that, of course, at that time, I'm looking for economic benefits as well. It's not By that point, it's not just about the passion. It's not just about telling stories and, and sharing the information. Um, it also has to be lucrative. Yes. So, so I, just, I, wanna, I, just, I do want to segue, though, um, because as he said that, and it's a good point, this good way to segue here, where he said, I want you to do it for the rest of the industry and for the rest right. of the artists. Why is it important for creatives to hire a publicist because you know that the entertainment space artists think they could do everything and they can't and they don't have the skill set because a publicist comes with particular skill set so what would you say to artists who are thinking okay i could do it on my own why should they hire and work with someone like yourself well that's the thing you may think you can do it on your own but quickly you will realize that as an artist you need to focus on the art you need to focus on the artistry because there's so many elements there. There's recording, there's songwriting, there's performing, there's stagecraft, there's doing interviews, there's yes. you know, there's all these different aspects of being an artist that require you to focus on those things. So if you also have to study your headlines and your publicity and your now, I mean a lot of people are doing it now with the use of social media as the technology has has evolved. But at that time especially it was more important to have someone who could do that for you and it's important to have a publicist because the reality is your public image can be determined and affected whether um, adversely or whether positively 
by the media and your relationship with the media and because you are supposed to be focused on your artistry it's often not uh efficient or it's not mm-hmm. often adequate and it's not often suitable for you to focus on the media aspects right so what can you do though because we know that we established that so so for for, for this so the session is the, mm-hmm. middle, the middle man right. who can curate the information to satisfy both interests so we understand what the media wants yes. which is sensational headlines and and eye-catching eye-popping things that will get their readers interested and also sell their papers or magazines or whatever it may be or their shows or their podcasts like this one right yes mm-hmm. but on the other side we also understand what the artist wants which is to get across whatever particular message or sales pitch or um, song um, lyrics or headlines or whatever it may be whatever their artistry is at the point in time they want to get that across to the public with as, as, as little friction as possible, with as little uh, negative elements as possible. So we are the perfect middlemen, the publicists are the perfect middlemen to bridge that gap between what the artist wants and what the media wants. Right. So an artist now, working with a publicist like yourself and your company, what to curate curate and create that brand and the you know that brand image out there, what should they focus on? What is your advice to these artists? Um, I mean, you have to be true to yourself. You have to be true to your brand and whatever it is you stand for. I mean, if you are a, a secular artist, yes, you can, you know, you can be God-fearing and you can praise the Father and you can, but you can't just jump in a church and, and expect to be accepted, right? You have to be true to yourself always and that will shine forth and that will inform what the publicist does or what the publicist can even do as well as what the media can get from you because uh, number one thing i try to tell my my clients especially when they're going on interviews you as the artist have a message that you are trying to share you have information that you want to share and convey to the public that is your focus the the interviewer the reporter can ask all kind of questions under the sun but your answers should be standard because you know what you want to see if you get distracted and if you get misled mm-hmm. by all the little tricky questions and all the little controversial things and you don't stick to your script in the sense of what you want to convey the information that you want to share that's when you're going to get in trouble right. so you so- need to stay true to yourself and you need to follow the plan follow the script and follow the guideline of the mess you sharing only the information that you want to share good what about looking at the image and the the music and and the craft what what were your thoughts on on that what are your thoughts on that well that's a more complex thing because i mean especially now where the genres are blurred you know the lines of 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 what type of artist you can be are pretty much obscure so we have you know singers who are now rapping and chanting in between mm-hmm. whereas in previously they would only sing mm-hmm. we have you know people expressing themselves in all these different ways and and all these different technologies and all these different um, creative means of expression so, so it's, how it's can they bring their brand to life with all of these yeah. so so an artist comes and so what we're trying to zero on in on here is how how you the publicist will craft that knowing that all of these aspects 
how would what would you say to them okay so let me give you an example a recent example um i had been observing voice and his you know his work his songwriting his stage presence etc for many years right but i didn't have a relationship with his his camp or his team or anything Nigel, I, don't want you to call, I don't want you to call too much names because oh. <laughs> so so say you've been observing it start over i've been artist, observing yeah, an artist sorry. right so I've been observing this particular artist who has done well in the industry for many years, but I didn't have a relationship with his team. So I was just observing from the sideline. Subsequently, I met his manager and we started conversing, you know, back and forth, just general, you know, yes. you know, how you're going, thing, what's going on, what's going on this week, anything. And then I observed more recently that the artist himself was becoming a little more mature and his audience as well was following in that trend and he needed to make certain statements and make certain accept certain positions that would uh mature his audience with him Mm -hmm. right and and his his brand as well as well as his uh, his music and then his public image to go along with it so i i I pretty much told his manager my thoughts on where he could go next and then we were able to have a conversation and subsequently now i'm on i'm on the team i'm part of the of the team that curates his information and is definitely taking him into a more mature space because it was necessary at a certain age at a certain time you know we all have to evolve into a certain into a certain position i'll put it that way yeah so it's important um for the publicists and the artists and their their team their management to have that relationship where you can converse openly and honestly because you need to be able to say i see that move there or that particular dress code that won't work that that's not where we need to go that's you know we need to be a little more reserved we need to be a little more uh, efficient we need to be a little more Mm, understand well said so you've given us an idea of what the publicist can do and what you can do for your artists or your clients what's also some of the things the artists and the the clients need to look at in terms of shaping their brand as i said he's a wonderful prolific writer as i've worked with nigel on many projects as well and one of the major ones we worked on together was the carifesta 2019 where there were some fantastic spreads and it was one of the best carifestas in the region definitely was and so nigel and i Yes, we work together. So he's fully endorsed by me and the team. Um, so thank, thank you again, Nigel. Thank, thank you, you again. for having me and asking these wonderful questions. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. So we'll keep in touch. And I do wish you all the best, especially coming up for the season that we're heading yes. into. Okay, thank you for having me. Yes. God bless to all your readers and your listeners and yes. your followers. Check us out overtimett.com. This has been Sunbeam Chats with Arlene Hallman. Be sure to download the podcast for more great inspiring stories. And don't forget, follow Sunbeam Chats on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Until next time. And remember, keep shining and thriving.